You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast that encourages mindfulness, gratitude, and hopefully an occasional laugh. I'm Mark Reed, a former college professor and lawyer. Now I live in the countryside of Japan, make traditional Japanese paper, and try to make myself and the world a little better today than it was yesterday. I'm here twice a week, either with research and observations or talking with inspiring, artistic, and influential people. The idea is to bring some calm and kindness to the world and help you do the same. Hey, here we are. Back with me today, by popular acclaim, is uh, Carolyn Exum. And uh, when you become a regular on the show, which at two times now counts as a regular, uh, you're no longer introduced as a guest. So here is my visiting co-host, Carolyn Exum. Uh, Carolyn's been doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you didn't know that you were, you've been promoted already. Um, <laughs> Carolyn's been doing stand-up comedy for over 20 years. Her first gig was famously at a Golden Corral buffet. I, I love that story. <laughs> uh, she is more recently performed on several Clockwork Comedy stages and across the Southeast. Welcome back, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, well, we should do it more often. Uh, you know, yeah. we should interview other comics, and uh, you know, I'd love for that the, for this podcast to go in that direction. You know, I purposely yeah, yeah, I left the show wide open uh, to take on a life of its own wherever it goes, and you know, I love talking about comedy. So here we go. Uh, yeah. b- before I dive right in, if you're watching on YouTube, just go ahead and hit that subscribe button now. I hate asking. But you know what? If you don't ask people to do it, they won't do it. So just yeah. just don't even think about it. Just hit the damn button right now. Boom. It's just right there. It's right there. Just get it out of the way and we, and we don't have to talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I want to start somewhere. I should have gone the first time you and I talked, but I never got there. We, we talked for like an hour and uh, we just ran out of time. Um, yeah. Here it is. And as a woman, you probably have some insight into this first question. Caroline? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Are women funny? Absolutely. <laughs> women are funny. I know and <laughs> it's, yeah, it's. What difficulties it's, have you faced as a, as a female comic? Um, well, that <laughs> just people <laughs> straight up going like, oh, female comic. Uh, you know she's gonna talk about her period and how much she hates men and her mom calls too much you know i mean it's just gonna be the same old gag and um and it's really i've i've run into that so much and still it happens to this day um on twitter the other day uh actually one of my favorite female comics jen kirkman was involved in like this whole kind of twitter outing on this comedy club i believe in california i don't have all the names and dates right but it was basically another female comic had pointed out that since the pandemic they had booked almost solid men and like two women and they got called out for that and of course you know there's there's several people that are like so it's not like that but it 
feels very much like that. Is that because there's and more more men in the industry? When I first started in comedy and when I would perform with the Fresh Ground Comics in Birmingham, you know, I it there was this little comedy collective in Birmingham and for years I was the only girl, the only girl. Mm. Sometimes girls would come and go. Um, it's gotten a lot more female driven now um, because they've just, you know, kind of just started coming out of the woodwork. And I don't know if it's the fact that sometimes men aren't that welcoming to women in comedy. You know, I, I, I have two sort of theories on it and, uh, and let me know what you think. <laughs> my, uh, my first theory is that, uh, um, you know, some men are intimidated by a, a an assertive woman and it takes a certain level well, of, of being assertive. You know, you're, you're center stage, you're on stage, you're making jokes, you've got all the attention. And I think that some men, uh, I'm not one of them. I'm not in this group um, that, you know, um, have a problem with w whether it's conscious or, un or subconscious. They just, you know, there's something about them that doesn't, there, there's too much alpha male in them for them to allow a woman to be center stage or something. That's one theory. Yeah. All right. The second one, uh, you, I don't know if you'll take issue with, um, you know, because I don't normally like to use stereotypes, uh, gender mm. stereotypes or, you know, any other kind of stereotype. However, there are some general yeah. differences between men. Stereotypes and men. are a thing for a reason. Exactly. So uh, I have a theory. I talked about it one other time on this show uh, when I had a, when we did a topic on feminism and uh, I had, uh, uh, w one of the female co-hosts or uh, guests on the show had brought up about something about rejection. And I made a point. I said, you know, it's just my opinion and I'm probably uh, going to be canceled for saying something that's stere that's stereotyping someone, but that women don't handle rejection as well as men because they're not rejected as often as men. As men, you know, kind of, you know, you get shot down more, or at least if you look like me, you get shot down more than you succeed in the dating world. So you got to mm -hmm. get, you got to get used to, uh, rejection. You got to get used to no, but like women aren't used to, you know, women have the ability pretty much to on any given night, go out and have sex with somebody. If they want to, they'll find somebody. <laughs> and with that, it's not the case for a guy. He's got to deal with a bunch of rejection. My point in relating it back to comedy is men are maybe a little bit more like just conditioned to to handle rejection and handling rejection is a necessity for stand-up comedy because you are invariable no matter how good you are you're gonna bomb sometimes yeah the best comics have all bombed tragically so yeah um, those are my two theories on it so what do you think <laughs> well those are very interesting theories. I don't know that I agree so much with the second one on the, because I just, I, I don't, that kind of just starts to lean more toward 
women are these dainty things that we have to protect and they're not as strong as men. And I don't believe that that. I, I'm not saying is, that. Let me defend myself before I do <laughs> canceled by cancel culture. I am certainly not saying that. In fact, I have met, dated, uh, I'm married to a strong woman. So let, let mm-hmm. me get that clear. I don't think that I, I hope the next president is a female president. Let, let me get all of that clear. However, when you're talking of percentages of the pool, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a larger percentage of, say, men are more equipped to handle rejection than, a lar- than, a, than the percentage of women. Some women just can't handle it. Some men can't handle it, too. That's why I, I'm wary of stereotyping anything. I'm just saying, if you're talking percentages, statistics here, um, there might be more men able to handle rejection I, I don't i don't know i'm still no i'm still not with you on that because i've seen men throw an absolute temper tantrum over I'm sure i'm stuff sure. before whereas a I female have. has been a lot cooler about it because females for so long have been conditioned to just smile and be pretty and not complain and not say what they're feeling and so you know women aren't allowed to feel anything about rejection so you know i think that i think women are not given enough credit well that's 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 for sure across the board yeah another a third reason the the audiences are more there's more men than women right because i i have tried to talk comedy yeah. with yeah i i've i've uh you know like past uh relationships i've had with women uh you know i've always been a fan of stand up comedy and them not so much or friends that are female that i've had mm-hmm. i've wanted to talk about stand up comedy and they don't find it as funny as i do so it, yeah you know the audience is more male I remember I did a show in England and I competed in like some kind of uh, competition. I can't, I can't remember what it was, but the audience was, I would say probably 90% male. Yeah. And I looked around the room and I was like, I was the only female comic performing that night. And I looked at my friends and I was like, I'm not winning this. <laughs> you know, and I have friends, like I have this friend Jordan, and she's very new to comedy. She's a female. Um, and she's already been hit with the, you know, um you're cute maybe Uh, you want to go out or maybe and you know she's like and when she first started out and we were like that's not okay you know that you do not need to be and she was like well i didn't want to step on anybody's toes because i'm new and and i didn't know this is like an audience member or something or this is like somebody Mm, oh oh oh, no this was this was a, a guy that books um, uh open mics around here yeah um books comedy shows and she just had contacted him um you know she had gone to a show that he was on and she contacted she knows like how do i 
you know, get on one of your shows. And she started getting text messages from him that that sucks. were very that sucks. This is, inappropriate. But this is Louis C.K. territory here. It is. <laughs> it is. And and that's that's the thing. It's like it's such it's still such a dangerous yep. place for for females and and i think maybe you know there are females that just don't want to deal with that is it it just is a lot harder i mean it, it's not as hard as it was back when joan rivers first started well that's a, um, yeah that's a good point i went last time you mentioned paula poundstone as an influence and uh mm -hmm. who who are the great female comics uh past and present i mean past like who who were the obviously joan rivers kind of yeah i don't want to say paved the way she wasn't the first but she really opened the door i think for female comics she did i mean she was definitely she was the first uh, that spoke her mind i mean there were other like phyllis diller was a was a stand-up before she was known for other things and uh but it still was kind of a PG material, but Joan Rivers, I mean, she talked like a, like a man did back then, you know, and, uh, and it, it's sort of to your point earlier that people are afraid to hear a woman talk about, uh, sex or, uh, something that they think is inappropriate to come out of a woman's mouth. Those, that kind of, that's gone that, you know, those kind of like, uh, inhibitions or prohibitions of, of that kind of, you know, I mean, you've got, um, Nikki Glaser and Whitney Cummings and, uh, mm -hmm. Amy Schumer talking about anything and everything these days. And I mean, it's, you know, it's an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, even before Joan Rivers, there was, you know, Fanny Bryce, um, who were, who were some females that when, you know, we're, you and I are about of the same age and, uh, and I made a, I made a, a short list of, uh, and I didn't, I didn't cheat. I didn't go on to Google or anything. I just, I, I, I delved deep into my, uh, my psyche and was like, who, when I was a kid, who is I, when I was a kid, do I remember watching and enjoying? And I got, I got a little list. Okay. Uh, do you remember Margaret Cho? Oh, of course. Margaret yeah. Awesome. I, yeah, she is. Yeah. Roseanne yeah. Barr was a terrific comic. She really was. I mean, I actually like her stand up better than I did her show. You know, she's more famous now for the sitcom, but she was a terrific stand up comic. Uh, yeah, she was. And I think, you know, and it's, it's sad that we're like she is now, but she, the thing about her that was so great was she was she was just this groundbreaking loud brash you know like yeah. when she i remember that whole uh what did she call herself the domestic goddess or right. something right. oh my god i i just remember like all of the women because i was the kid at the time but i remember all of the mother type people that they were like we have a voice finally yeah. and Co so comic. i think yeah comics I, I just think she broke ground on you know at like the right time but she was very good well that that was a, a you know 
there are different golden ages of comedy people will point to, but I think that was one like sort of like mid late eighties. Uh, and mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of comics back then had a, a kind of shtick like, like Roseanne Barr was the domestic goddess. You had Bobcat Goldweight that was, you know, doing that crazy voice all the time. Uh, emo, mm-hmm. do you remember emo? Is it emo Phillips? Oh, emo Phillips. Yeah. Yes. I, he's still around, oh. I think, but, yeah, he he's is. very it. witty, very, very witty comic. But, you know, he's got that sort of cadence, that slow, you know, way he delivers his jokes. And you don't see as much of that these days as a comic just, you know, I think Carrot Top ruined that for everybody. Carrot Top went too far with it. <laughs> <laughs> and we said no more sticky comedy. Yeah, no more sticky. <laughs> you know, like, oh. yeah. Um, yeah, the, the whole prop comedy thing is yeah gallagher and not looked <laughs> not my favorite uh flavor of of stand-up that's for sure i saw carrot top though i did see him did you <laughs> yeah. i want my money back but i saw him <laughs> i can imagine i mean and yeah it's none of that like, at the stage i saw him at stardom in uh birmingham and uh we uh um got tickets me and three of my buddies got tickets and um we you know we thought we were gonna sit in the back and someone who had a reserved a table right at the stage canceled the last second and we're standing there like we're gonna sit in the back and they're like hey you four guys want to we got four spots that are right at the stage well hell yeah we want them and uh and it was funny too uh the the opener one of the openers for carrot top was way funnier and uh, it was this black guy and i can't remember his name i wish i could but he spent half of his act making fun of us uh, like he was like four guys, four guys sitting here at the comic club. Where are your dates? And we're like, oh, they're they're at home. I'm like bullshit, motherfucker. <laughs> it's like you, you guys, you guys can't pick up women. Like he just like tore into us the whole time. It was great. That and then carrot, so funny. Then carrot top came on and ruined it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's like oh, bummer. Yeah, I think the worst experience I ever had was when Polly Shore came through. <laughs> Yeah, and he, he acted he a, like he a stick too, right? Oh, uh, yeah, buddy, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he was the weasel, and yeah. there was all that, you know. That's, and that's funny for like the first five minutes, and then it's old. It's like one of those jokes that somebody just keeps playing out, and you're like, eh, "Can you move on to new material?" The nicest that I met working at that club was actually Tommy Chong. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> he's a real and deal. I mean, he, I, yeah, he was like so polite and like I was it was a little disarming because I was just like you're nothing like and Bob Goldthwaite is the same exact way. Yeah, I've, I've heard that too. Um, also, yeah, a, he's a kind very soft spoken. Yeah, genuine guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, and when I met him, I just absolutely lost my mind and I just was like staring at him <laughs> and he looked at me and he was like, are you okay? <laughs> Cause I was just like, Oh, like the I whole know. time. And Hard I not said, to be I know, I said yeah. I'm just so shy. I was very starstruck and I was like, I'm just really shy. And he goes, I understand. I'm very shy myself. And I was like, no, you're not. You're, you're Bob Goldthwait. You know? They are though. A, a lot of uh, yeah. in comics are shy, you know, most uh, I, you know, I don't know how you, um, come up with a, an exact statistic, but most, I think at some point battle depression or have, you know, 
kind of demons in their life. And, you know, comedy is a way out of that. And uh, mm-hmm. many of them are introverts. Many big name comics are like publicly they're introverts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know like one comic that I've ever met. One single comic in all of the comics that I've ever met, ever encountered, just one seems like a well-adjusted person. <laughs> like I remember when, you know, like when Robin Williams killed himself and there were a lot of people that were like, how could he was so funny? And comedians of the world were going, duh. You know, I mean, of course he was masking pain his entire life. You know, and I know that there was some neurological thing that he had, which they say exacerbated it. But, um, but yeah, I mean. I cried. I mean, I I, I might edit this out because I don't like to publicly admit that I ever cry. But I cried when Robin Williams died. I did. I was like, I I, I I felt the loss. It was, I mean, because, you know, he was just as great, just as brilliant of a dramatic actor, you know, you're going to edit this. I'm going to take a sip of my drink. Oh, that's, uh, (laughs) I leave that stuff in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a huge, heavy loss. Mm. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, it was like, I get it, you know, because I have chased, being funny and being you know because like i said before i mean humor is is like the only way that i've survived yeah to this point and me too um yeah i mean like all of the kids i mean when you look back at like kids that were class clowns and stuff they're usually the ones that were just crying out for attention because they were having i feel attacked you know (laughs) well i mean i was somewhat like that in high school but i was very withdrawn well the thing about the being an introvert i uh Okay, so I was class cut up for three years in high school and uh, um, mm-hmm. was voted by my fellow classmates. However, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't like always or, or the pressure to always perform because, you know, there are some times when I'm like, you know, I, I really just don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to, like, get into my book right now or whatever. When I went to college, you know, that was high school. When I went to college, I did a 180. I was just a nerd. I didn't talk to anybody. I just, uh, you know, I didn't even really have a party college experience. I, you know, I went to grad school later and caught up with lost time. But in college, at, at, I went to the University of Alabama. Friday night, I was studying by myself in the library. And, uh, you know, I just totally, wow. yeah, I totally went into into my shell. But, um, but I've thought about like, uh, you know, nighttime um, talk show hosts. Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon and, uh, you know, back the, the biggies, uh, Dave Letterman and, uh, Johnny Carson. Mm -hmm. I I think about, um, them having to perform every day. And, uh, I got to see Letterman actually. I went to a a live, um, yeah, that was badass in the Ed Sullivan theater and everything. But, um, but you know how they can do that, you know, how they can like be funny every day. And I, I don't possess 
that talent. I, you know, I, I have had aspirations to be a stand-up comic before, you know, okay, I've got to perform this Friday night, but doing, turning that shit on every day, I couldn't do it. Well, and also they have a team of about 50 writers. I mean, I, I would love to have a gig like that someday. I mean, I don't know at 40 something if that will ever play out for me, but, um, the writers, the writer life is, you know, this is why you hear a lot about, uh, that they're the unsung heroes of comedy. Uh, it's more stressful because the pressure to, because the thing is, you can fire and replace a right. You can't fire Conan. You can't fire Jimmy Fallon. They're the face of the brand, right? So right, but you, you know, can wad up and throw out. You one can of the toss writers. out a right. So the writer's got to be fun. Has has to be funny. But Jimmy Fallon. Well, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Jimmy Kimmel can bomb a joke and then just make a joke about how that joke sucked, you know, and then he's funny again. But the, whoever wrote that joke is like, oh, shit, you know, I just mm-hmm. my joke bomb. Yeah, no. yeah. You know, and I, I interesting, that I met David Sedaris uh, actually several times, but oh, the nice. first time I ever met David Sedaris, because um, I'm a huge fan. But um, I met, one of the great things about David Sedaris is he literally will talk to every single person. Like, he will have even if it's just a minute, he will have a conversation with you. And uh, he asked me what I did. And I said, I was a stand-up comic and that I also wanted to be a screenwriter. And this was years ago. And at the time I was writing a screenplay, which never has gotten finished, but um, he was like, Oh my God. He's like, I cannot imagine how awful it is to be a stand-up comic. And I was just like, <laughs> cool. And he was like, you know, because he's like, because you have to be funny. And he's, he was talking about how, like, when he's doing book readings and people will, you know, introduce him as the hilarious David Sedaris. And then he's like, he's like, now I have to be funny, you know, because they're expecting me to be I, funny, you know. Yep. And I was like, David Sedaris gets it. Because... <laughs> Because it really is. I mean, it is. It's just like, oh, God. It, and and people that want you to perform on demand, like, hi, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a stand-up comic. Tell me a joke. No. <laughs> I don't, yeah, especially, I'm not Especially if you're a storyteller-type uh, comic. Like, I, you know, I can, I can see a one-liner comic like Anthony Jeselnik or, uh, you know, Mitch Hedberg when he was alive. You know, they've got – they're oh. locked and loaded with a thousand, you know, one-liner jokes. But, you know, I, I prefer like a Patton Oswalt. You know, you have to kind of pay attention for five – you've got to have more than – you can't have a yeah. deficit disorder. You've got to follow his story for about five minutes before you get to the hilarious stuff that comes to it, Yeah. I don't like to – you know, perform on demand like that. So, uh, did, uh, well, we're, I'll wrap it up here in a second. Did, uh, um, did David Sedaris give you his business card since you were, you know, aspiring to be in the field? No, but, um, he signed in my book, um, in the first book that he signed, I have three. Um, he signed, I look forward to seeing your movie and that it was so sweet and then a few years ago i saw him again 
and I was like, Oh my gosh, I saw you before. And I just, I love you so much. And I, and, um, he, he, he had complimented me. So I was wearing this very flowy bohemian sort of thing. And he was like, <laughs> he's like, you look, you know, very like a gypsy. And I was like, Oh, and I, I told him about the writing and he was like, well, how is your writing going? And I said, uh, not great. And he was like, well, can I give you some writing advice? And I was like, yes. And he told this little story about how he burned his hand and then he stuck this little tiny, you know, those little, uh, novelty hands, it's like a hand that you stick on your finger. Mm-hmm. He was like, I think I burned my hand and it shrunk and, and it was this whole big thing. And then he gave that hand to me wow. and he goes, this is to remind you to use a light touch with your writing. And I still don't know what that quite means, <laughs> but I was cool, still huh? just like, oh my God. And then he signed in my book, We Meet Again, Enchantress. Nice. And I died. I mean, I just literally died in that moment. That's awesome. I, I will actually end it on that. I was going to, your encounter with David Sedaris reminded me of when I met Ron Jeremy and I had his, I, he did give me his business card and I called him later. If he weren't in jail right now, I would call him to be on this podcast. But I'll, oh, save, wow. that, I'll save that story for another time. I like yours better. Um, yes. I'll, I'll tell you when we, when we get off here and then maybe we'll bring it up again some other time. Um, yeah. but that's it, uh, for this time. Uh, again, I am going to, uh, hound you hit subscribe, like notification bell, all that yeah. shit. hook the show up, Do it. support us, Amy and me both share. Uh, yeah. Go to patreon.com slash Zen sandwich and buy us a taco. Uh, last time I said, buy us a, a beer, a cup of coffee, whatever, something that's three bucks, buy it for us. Uh, you yes. can support the show. Buy us a couple of tacos. There's a five and ten dollar option as well. Regardless, I love thanks. tacos. Me too. I was like that. That works for me. Um, <laughs> regardless, thanks for listening and or watching. Write the show a message. Uh, I got one from Mary Wiley recently. I got one uh, a while back from a gentleman named Tim Cook. Heather Poor gets a shout out as well. Someone who uh, who helps. Us yeah, you know Heather. Um, so. Uh, uh, I, I enjoy getting listener feedback from you guys. Uh, send it to me at uh, zensamich at gmail.com. Um, Carolyn, thanks, buddy. I love talking thanks. comedy. Yes. <laughs> we'll do this again very soon. Awesome.